cigars all around. Cheers, y'all. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program. This is Smoking and Toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to the show, number 128. My name is Cruz. My co-host, Mr. Ian Barry. Adam Andrus is our producer on the Wheels of Steel, and we are live today at one of our favorite hangout places. We love this place. It's the New Potato. The New Potato. This place Houston. is awesome. Yes. They have a yeah. great outdoor deck, and as you can see, we're sitting outdoor to, outdoors today. Now, it's not cold today, but it is a little it's chilly. It's a little, a little chill cool. in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got, the, uh, we got the heater going behind us, and it's actually quite comfortable got the smoke here on the deck. Got the smoking hoodies. Yes, sir. And I will point out that it's raining because it's been raining. Actually, it's been foggy in Houston for 173 days. Yes. Uh, this would be number 174. Yes. Actually. Recently, you can tell if the humidity goes up or down by mm -hmm. two points because it either starts or stops raining. That's exactly right. And it's foggy <laughs> the rest of the day. I live up on the 32nd floor. I haven't been able to see my surroundings uh, <laughs> since, since, like, Christmas. You're it's like, you're like living in a vampire novel it really there. is it's very very <laughs> strange i'm expecting to see tom cruise it's not a pleasant thought no, that's uh, it's you know so uh, anyway so welcome uh, ladies and gentlemen to the show we are brought to you by b&b butchers and restaurant at 1814 washington ave in houston and in the shops at clear fork in fort worth now we are at the new potato today or we're on location today we're at the new potato because it's one of our favorite places to go on location but we're on location because it's time for Pipe Smoking 102. Yes. Or is it Pipe Smoking 101.1? You know, okay, so we, we've done Pipe Smoking 101, but that was in the in the before time. That was before, before we did we video. Did video. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to go ahead and redo Pipe Smoking 101, but we're going to call it 102 because, because we already did 101, even though it's right. only audio. However, exactly. we are going to walk you through the beginning stages of selecting a pipe, loading a pipe. Right, right, right. And enjoying your pipe. And, and this is really important, I think, for a lot of people because, obviously, cigar smoking is a much more well-known hobby mm -hmm. than pipe smoking is. But pipe smoking has its own special pleasures. And interestingly enough, Ian, it was back around show number 50, I think, that you and I did Pipe Smoking 101. Mm -hmm. uh, we did it live on the uh, back patio of the Mucky Duck. It was colder than this, I remember. Yes, and, it was much uh, colder. And interestingly enough, of the earlier episodes of the show, that was actually one of the most downloaded and listened to. And this is before we were on video and you know had, had you know, grown a little bit as a show. But there appeared to be quite a bit of interest. So I thought, you know what? We didn't do it last winter. Let's do another pipe show again. Yeah. And you, of course, I, I brought my pipe, which I'll talk about. It is a beautiful pipe. Ian brought his pipes because... <laughs> Once again, you are completely over the top and, and, I, I cherry and picked, ready to rock. I cherry-picked a few out of my selection here. So okay, what did so. I come up with? That's uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I only brought 11 of them. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. I want you to explain maybe the, some of the differences in the pipes, what people should be looking for in a first pipe. Mm -hmm. Mine was a Christmas gift. This wasn't actually my first pipe. I had one of the uh, awesome corncob pipes that mm -hmm. you got me uh, way back on the first show. Uh, but the uh, but the uh, pipe I have here was a Christmas gift from my wife, and it was awesome. And I've only smoked it a couple of times, so you're telling me it's not nearly broken in yet. It's not broken in. I actually looked in the bowl of your pipe and can see that it's not broken in yet. Okay, so we'll work on breaking it in a little more here today <laughs> on the show. That's part of what it's about. Plus, not only are we doing Pipe Smoking 102, but on today's show, 
the best cheap whiskey. That's according to both the whiskey experts, the reviewers, and it's according to the public. Two separate lists, and we'll see how well they contrast and uh, and and compare. And if there's anything that I like, you know, it's it's inexpensive but delicious whiskey. So that's something we will look forward to getting into. Uh, plus, we have uh, a number of different interesting stories. Lone Star is rolling out a new 68-calorie beer. No word yet on whether they'll have an ingredients label, but they are rolling out a 68-calorie beer. I'm not going to lie. Since we had that uh, Lagunitas Daytime that's oh, at, at 98 calories, I have actually been through a few six-packs of that. It's a really amazing beer. It's a full-flavored, tasty beer that has less calories than a Bud Light. But does it have weed killer in it? Uh, that's a good question. Because Bud Light does, and it's not mentioned anywhere on the ingredient label. Well, we will get to that. You know, as, as one of our guys pointed out uh, on the ingredient label, uh, it doesn't mention yeast either. And that's, that's right. a pretty important ingredient. A pretty so important ingredient I for feel all like beer. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, no yeast, not really any beer, right? Yeah, right. right. Then so, you just have barley water. That's well, kind of like cereal. Apparently, they not only left out yeast, but they also left out weed killer. And we will get to that story. This is a real thing, by the way. I've never heard of this. This is awesome. I'm not making this up. Because how could you make something like that up? Uh, So we'll we'll be getting to that. Also, uh, we were talking with Paul, the proprietor here at the New Potato. And he's going to bring us out some very interesting beers to taste. Now, this isn't one of our official review beers. But we are sure enjoying this early one that we've This is a local. This is 11 Below Brewery. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is located fairly close to our location right now. This is one they call Dublin Miluck. So it's an Irish red, that's what you're telling me. It's delicious. Yeah, it is. It's a red <laughs> ale. I don't know if you can see the red. It almost looks I have, almost more copper, since, I guess. But Since he put this on tap, I've been doing my best to drink them out of it. Uh, and, and I understand why you should. It's really good. It's got, um, it's got a real maltiness to yes. it. And it's got a real, uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a flavor that I attribute to red ales that I don't know so very few beers have that 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 thing that you're talking about and it's on the finish it's a little mm-hmm. bitterness but it's a right. specific kind of bitterness ESBs have that right but it's almost and, not and like red a ales hop. have that right it's almost not like a hop bitterness like you're used to maybe right. from an IPA which has a sort of a pininess to uh-huh. it this is completely different almost almost like it's a malt bitterness does that make yeah. any sense yeah. yeah it's well like a bitter chocolate bitterness yeah there you but go. The, without the chocolate flavor but that kind of go. bitterness yeah. right but i know yeah i know exactly what you're talking about so well it's absolutely delicious 11 below brewery yet another of the fine breweries here in houston but we are going to be turning our attention to one of the fine breweries from flint michigan mm-hmm. a little bit later in the show and it's one of your faves one of my favorites bells. Yeah. Bells is great. We're yeah. going to actually, I think, try two of their beers on the show. Okay. And there's a reason for that, by the way, which we'll also get to. That'll come and up. And it also all ties into the new potato. See how these things just sort of converge and come together, like some, almost like it was meant to be? Some guy named Chris Hart says hi on uh, <laughs> Actually, he doesn't say hi. He says, sup, fools. Well, you know uh, you know what they say about Chris Hart. No, Nobody are, cares about that guy. Yeah. So He's falling behind, though. I think Alan Denny's actually ahead now. Is he? I think so. Oh. Uh, on the on the who's been on the show the most times no, race? Uh, no, I thought Chris Chris has been on since Alan. Now Chris is up by one. Ah. 
Although no one cares about this contest. Right, no one cares but, about this. Uh, but uh, <laughs> at least that's what we've been told in the one-third of one review of the show that I've actually read. So uh, it was breaking my heart. I couldn't go any further. We need so. to rate. We need to review the reviews. I think that would be a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. Where we have a show where we just <laughs> review our reviews. <laughs> We actually probably should do a show where we read the reviews. That might be that might be one of the more hilarious episodes of the program. Well, you know those uh, reacting to videos are awesome. So maybe this will be right, like right. S and T reacts Ian to their and own. Cruz react to the reviews of the show. <laughs> oh my god, he thinks I sound like a turtle. Right. Um, okay. So, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, in the early part of the show here today, uh, Brandon from Platypus Brewing. Uh, we want to send our best wishes out to him. Platypus Brewing, uh, also here in our hometown of Houston. And they are a wonderful brewery. They started out as a brew pub. They have great food. They make amazing beer. They're right over near our uh, sponsor location, B&B mm-hmm. uh, Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, Ian and I have been over there a number of times, had my birthday party over there. Brandon, who is their brewmaster, uh, was involved in some kind of an uh, accident uh, earlier this week. He was actually hit by a car. Oh, man. And got taken to the hospital, but he is recuperating and doing well. So we want to send our best out to Brandon because he's a, a great dude. And, you know, we just appreciate all that he's done to bring quality beer to our little uh, Yeah, and he was a joy to have on the show when we had him. Really too. was fun. Yeah, really was fun. So, uh, so there's just so much going on in the world of... Uh, of you know beer and uh, cigars and um, uh, spirits. Oh, by the way, help me with the spirit that Paul said he's going to try on us. It's oh, a Mexican said, gin. Is a yeah a gin from Mexico that's coming on. Uh, we'll have a little later on the show. He says very interesting. So we actually are just relying on Paul as the proprietor to provide us with the beers and the spirits today, but we're apparently going to have a, a Mexican-made gin on the show. Yeah, so and I don't know what the name of it is yet, but we'll we'll figure that out when he brings it out. So, Ian, uh, as we're getting ready to do the pipe show here, walk me through your uh, portion of your pipe collection that you've, that you've brought out for us to see here. What, All right. What's the difference between these, and, and why, are di- why is one pipe different from each other in terms of how it smokes? Well, frankly, because they look different. Okay. No, I'm just, just, just <laughs> that's me being silly. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I brought out some fun stuff in, uh, in the collection, and and frankly, if you're if you're out and about and you're choosing a pipe, go by looks. You know, buy a good brand and go by looks. It's fine. They're, it's going to be a great smoking. As pipe. long as you buy a good a good brand, yeah, get a quality you know? brand because if you buy a, a a bad quality pipe and it doesn't smoke well, it's going to turn you off from it. You're not going to enjoy it. So, so if you go to a, a tobacconist that has pipes. The the person there can help you know right. what's a really good brand of pipe. So right? uh, one of the uh, Peterson obviously is a well known good brand. Right. One of the more interesting things <laughs> is uh, there's a company called Missouri Meerschaum, and Missouri Meerschaum makes uh, corn cob corn pipes. Cob, yep. As a matter of fact, do you have one handy over there? I think uh, Adam, do you have yours handy? Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's take a quick look at if uh, what a, a Meerschaum corn yeah, cob pipe. Yeah. So uh, like. uh, well, because that was the first pipe. Actually, you gave me my first pipe, which was a Meerschaum. Well, so uh, these corn are. These are awesome. So this pipe right here is made by a company called Missouri Meerschaum. This is an actual corn cob pipe. Yes, it's made from an actual corn cob. What about eight, ten bucks? Yeah, they're like six to ten dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, they have a cheap plastic uh, stem on it. Um, they come it's with like what Popeye smokes. Right, right. They come with a little filter in there. Most people just take that and pitch it directly in the garbage because it's silly. Um, I usually just do that but uh that's up to the person who owns the pipe i gave this one to adam so he'll try 
He'll try smoking his pipe today. Um, so the funny thing about this is, if you pick up, and I pick these up by the handful a lot of times uh, when I'm trying new pipe tobacco. So, and I'll explain that a little later too. But if you pick up one of these pipes for less than ten dollars, or even get a fancy corn cob pipe for up to thirty dollars, um, it's hard to find a better smoking pipe than this without spending in the sixty to hundred dollar range. And this is not something fashioned to look like a corn cob. This is actually no, made is out of actually a corn cob. Corn cob. Yes, yeah. this is real deal, yeah. actual corn cob. So, um, so I'm going to recommend if you're interested. Try a corn cob pipe if you don't want to spend the money because if you're going to spend the money on a good briar pipe, um, then you're going to spend in a neighborhood for uh, for uh, unless you know what you're looking for, but for a decent one, you're going to spend in a neighborhood sixty five, sixty two hundred bucks. You can go all the way up to you know if you want to buy a nice Dunhill for eight hundred dollars, that's fine, you know. Um, but you can get a great Peterson or Savinelli anywhere you know under two hundred dollars. Right. Pretty easily, okay? Right. So if I walk you through some of the pipes that I brought here, um, first off, this is my corn cob. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> this style this style of stem is called a churchwarden stem, and um, I, this, is, this is my snarky uh, sense of humor here, is to take the most elegant style of pipe, mm -hmm. and of course... It's a corn cob pipe. So, so this, you put this stem on a corn cob right, pipe. Right, there's a there's a did. company called uh, Forever Forever Stems, I think, that you can find online that makes these stems uh, and really nice vulcanite, uh, which is what these good stems are made out of. Really nice vulcanite stems that he makes specifically to fit onto a corn cob pipe. It's so great. So uh, so I ordered one and I ordered the church warden one because that's just awesome. And now I have a church warden corn cob. This whole pipe, uh, because it is a corn cob, and I've had this for years, it smokes fantastic. Uh, this whole pipe, I think, cost me forty dollars. And show me and what it's the one of my absolute favorite pipes. Ever. And show me what the very best thing about the uh, church warden. So the is. church warden allows you to. It's incredibly effective. Like when you're smoking a pipe. Now, let me show you how this works. Okay, when you're smoking a pipe, you can adapt this far away look. Right? That, that is a good far away look. I like that. And it makes you look like you're really thinking deep about something. So let me, let me just go into this. And my, one of my favorite things to do with this. The, it's the pointing. It's a great pointing device. It really is. And it really gets your point across and in ways that you can't do if you're just... Because this right here. Yes. And even though it's a, this is like right there in your face, it's a lot friendlier than this. Oh, we, no question about it. Right. And and it also seems to carry more weight somehow. It does. It actually adds gravitas, gravitas to everything right you're saying, word. no matter what it is. So, <laughs> that is the actual So that is one of my favorite pipes, even though it's not a very expensive pipe, and it's a blast to smoke. In the middle here, if you can see these four uh, lined up here in the middle, these are my uh, some of my Peterson pipes. This is a Kara. And uh, the interesting thing, Adam, I don't know if you can come over here and put that up there the stem on that show them the end of that stem i think you might have bumped the camera there too but show the end of the stem on that that one has instead of a standard stem that one has what's called a p-lip stem on it and you can see the very end of that uh, is shaped differently and the hole is actually kind of on the top of the stem where it goes into your mouth so how do what's different about that and why do they you do know that? it's the way the smoke uh draws into the into the palate. Okay. So uh, some people like that. I ha I think it's interesting and it's fun to have one. Um, it's not my favorite 
uh, uh, stem, the standard fishtail, which is, you know, that's just the the wide open right, one that right. you get on pretty much every other pipe. The standard fishtail is, is uh, my favorite. However, it's fun to have something with a P-lip just to try it. And Peterson makes that really nice uh, vulcanite P-lip. This uh, next one is a Peterson army spigot now this pipe <laughs> this pipe is legendary first off it has this uh silver reinforced um stummel that's this part of the pipe by the way bowl stummel stem um the the stummel is reinforced with metal and uh it's the army pipe because a lot of people would take it apart like this and you could put it in your pocket and it may it's almost indestructible Gotcha. I mean, when yeah. you break it down into these two parts that just pull apart so easy, it's almost indestructible. So I have two of these. This is a reissue of, I think, a early 30s. This is also a Peterson. This is another Peterson Army spigot. This is the first one that I bought. Uh, I think one of the first Petersons that I bought. Same basic design. A little bit different bowl on this one, as you can see. This is a stack. And then one of my absolute favorites and probably one of my more valuable pipes is the Peterson Silver Spigot. That's really interesting. As you can see, this is a bent, uh, a bent mm -hmm. stack. And then uh, the stummel and the stem both have silver on them, which is why it's the Silver Spigot. It's the spigot like, uh, like you see on these other army pipes, but it's silver on both ends. And that does need to be polished up every once in a while. So that's a great smoking pipe there. That's one of those, like, you have to be really geeky to appreciate that. <laughs> this one I brought, this is just fun. This is a, um, this is a, oh, what's the brand on this? I'm forgetting. Uh, King's Cross. This is a tiny pipe. If you look at this versus, like, a standard, even this, this, uh, uh, corn yeah, cob, you can see the really size small. difference. Yeah. So some people prefer that just because if you want a short smoke, this is a great way to go. This You don't have it's to... not as big of a... Uh, yeah. yeah. And so that's the theory, I think, behind some people like the smaller uh, the smaller bowl uh, to fill it up and you don't use as much tobacco. That being said, I have found that I can just not fill my larger bowl up as much and it works just and fine it works too. Just fine. Yeah. Now, right in front of me is a fun one. This is one that my brother sent me, and it was uh, it had a, a broken stem on it. This is an estate pipe. It was a used pipe, had a broken stem. This is an old uh, Stonehaven pipe. Now this is a company that's been out of business, uh, but they were making great pipes. I think, and this is probably seventies vintage, late sixties or uh, up to mid seventies, somewhere in that area. Anyway, he says he found this. He got it in a lot of uh, pipes that he bought, and. Um, and sent it to me so i sent it off i took it up to the briar shop we'll talk about the briar shop in a little bit i like mm -hmm. that place i took it up to the briar shop and they sent it to a guy who did a a brand new stem for me and this style of pipe is called a nose warmer now <laughs> if you're looking <laughs> at sense, it right from this direction you may not tell why but let me turn it this way and show you that would be a nose warmer as you can see this is a very small uh, pipe overall although the bowl itself is not terribly small um this is made so you can stick it in a shirt pocket or you can stick it, you know, in your pocket. Like I had mine in my pocket earlier. Uh, it's a great smoking little pipe, great for short smokes, easy for travel because it's very small. You don't have to worry about, right. um, you know, it not fitting in your pocket and stuff like that. Whereas some of these larger pipes, you know, sticking that in your shirt pocket looks a little obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want you to at least show this one before oh, yes, we take yes. our break because that's a, 
That's just so. I'm, I'm really just going to walk through just a couple more pipes here. Mm-hmm. I know I'm getting long winded because I'm excited about my pipes. This is an Eric Nording pipe. Now, Eric, now turn that around so people can see what that looks like on the top there. Yeah, yeah. The top of this. This is what he uh, his uh, his company calls a freestyle. Eric Nording carves pipes, and this is his freestyle pipe, basically. Um, you so no he carves it into a exactly pipe like shape, that, but yeah. you know some of this stuff is just the way the briar shapes. So he didn't bother shaping part of that. And these, every single one of these that you get is unique and carved uniquely because they're all different pieces of briar. And and some of the design features on this um, are just because that was part of the wood itself. So you really aren't going to get two of these alike. The shape around the right. top lip and all of that. So right? if you go to a shop and you buy a, an Eric Nording freehand pipe, you are getting a very unique pipe. You are getting a one and only. And I actually have two of these. Um, although one of them uh, needs to be slightly repaired on the stem, but uh, I love these pipes. These smoke great, and they look amazing mm-hmm. at the same time. So uh, the English, being ever practical, created a pipe called a falcon, and this is all metal. Um, the metal stem and uh, lower part of the bowl and everything's metal, so and then it's you not have wood like the others. Right, metal. the other ones are all briar and vulcanite. So this has a, a plastic. It might be vulcanite. I think it's plastic stem on it, but feels great. Um, the uh, the rest of this is all metal, and is even the bowl metal? The bowl is not. Now the bowl is briar, and these okay. these are incredibly interesting because what these allow you to do is you can just unscrew the bowl, ah. take it off there. So that's it easy two things. It's super easy to clean this pipe out um, because you get a lot of humidity when you're smoking a pipe. So. Uh, uh, because the tobacco's humid and you're burning it, and then on top of that, you know, you're slobbering in your pipe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly easy to clean this pipe out. But the other cool thing is you can just buy different bowls for it and have a different smoke. Sweet. So there's a bigger bowl that I have. And then I have uh, this one's a cool one. This was a limited run that they did called a shillelagh where they twisted the whole shaft of that, which looks super cool. And I have this big green bowl on it that I uh, truly appreciate. Because it looks cool. I thought a shillelagh. I thought that was something else. Shillelagh. And then this, I think, is the bowl that actually came with it originally. But the nice thing about these is you can just swap the bowl as your mood fits. Yeah, exactly. Personally, I like it with the green because it's a shillelagh, and I figure, you know, St. Patrick's Day, blah, blah, blah. So that's a lot of fun. That's pretty much running through, except for I got one more here. Yeah, you better show that one off. This is a... This is quite quite the pipe. <laughs> so Meerschaum is uh, uh, stone. The ones that make the the corn cup. Co- no, no, no. That's just the name of their oh. company. It's Missouri so, Meerschaum. Missouri so that's Meerschaum. kind of a gotcha. tongue in cheek. So now you're on what Meerschaum actually is. Meerschaum, stone Meerschaum is a stone, uh, and you find a lot of it in Turkey and those kind of things. So Turkey makes. Uh, uh, you go to Turkey, they make a lot of pipes. Turkish Meerschaum is world-renowned for pipes. Mm-hmm. This guy, when you see wow, that white, yeah. it looks like bone almost. It really And does. it carves in the detail stone. on this. Yeah, and they have guys that just specialize in carving this. Um, the wow. detail on these are pretty amazing. And the cool thing about this, mine's just barely starting to do this, but you can see where it's handled. And around the top where it starts to darken, well, this whole thing is going to cre- eventually have this this the dark to it, amber yeah. uh, and black patina to it that's going to make it look absolutely amazing <laughs> in a few years, quite a few years after smoking it uh, enough. 
and that you can't uh, you absolutely can't hurry up and make it happen. No, I know of. no. I mean, that just happens over time. So that's a lot of fun. That pipe right there is. So you is a put good time. a lot of time and, and and energy into, you know, really learning about pipes. How often do you actually smoke a pipe as opposed to a cigar? Uh, you know, it comes and goes in uh, in in moods and in waves for me. So I almost almost never smoke a pipe in the summer for just for the reasons that. Um, it doesn't really occur to me, but in the winter, for whatever reason, I like having a pipe in my hand, and I'll sit out back and I'll it enjoy it. It seems very cozy, doesn't it? I also can once in a while get away with uh, having a pipe indoors because it smells good. Yeah. Because I'm going to go ahead and say this. No matter how good a cigar you have, it still smells like a cigar, and not, that never smells good the day after inside. This is true. So a pipe tobacco, though, leaves more of a... Depending, I like aromatics, but leaves more of a a, a nice, you know, warm mm-hmm. fragrance. Uh, in more the of room. a hearth and home sort of. Yes, to very it. much. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll go through the uh, basics. Ian will walk us through how to load your pipe, how to light your pipe, what the uh, basics are, and I think we're going to get Paul over here and try to. Get him to load one up for the Yeah, we'll have him as a newbie on here doing this. A newbie from the New Potato. And that's where we are. We're live at the New Potato in Houston, Texas, in what they call Edo, East Downtown uh, for Houston. And we will be uh, bringing you the rest of Pipe 102 plus the best cheap whiskey. And we'll let you know why Bell's beer is featured so prominently on today's show and why you should really recheck that Bud Light label because it doesn't mention the weed killer that's in the beer. That's all coming up. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, segment number two. Paul from the New Potato just arrived with, uh, uh, of course, see, this is what happens when you leave things to Ian. Um, uh, Ian says, yeah, tell him to bring the barley wine. It's like it's second segment of the show. You're already going for like the <laughs> that makes the highest ABV that, that the they have. Four, the next four segments incredibly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's that's good because I was I was hoping they would be interesting. So, um, Paul, we have uh, now, do we have a, uh, a pipe for Paul this month? Oh, I gave him one. Ah, so Ian, part of this segment we were going to do a quick review of uh, pipe 101, and you were going to show Paul how to uh, load and light the pipe. Yeah, so a lot of people get intimidated by uh, by how you know how, how do you do this? What is this process? It's actually easier than you think. And there's a ton of people. If you ask 15 different people how they load their pipe, there's probably 13 different variations of that. Yeah, yeah. So here's your mic. You if you'd this? like to talk, and when you talk into the mic, and I was just uh, scolded on the uh, online, you got to keep it kind of close to your face, or uh, or no one will be able to hear you because the difference between this and this is big. So. <laughs> Okay. So I've got a few selections of tobaccos here. We're going to go ahead and start with this one here. So I'm going to walk you through loading the pipe, yes. Mm -hmm. Now what I like to do, I'm going to uh, load one of mine at the same time so you can watch me. What I like to do is uh, when you have a bag, especially a bag with a nice big open mouth to it, you can actually just stick your pipe down in the bag. And frankly, I'm just using my finger to kind of scoop some in there. Now you can... You can easier than spilling it all over yeah, the table, Yeah, because the tobacco right? will spill all over the place. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? So I'm just scooping it in there till it's full, okay? And then I'll kind of... Do you pack it in? Well, I'm not packing it in. I'm just scooping it in. So that's another thing is people 
Uh, people have a misconception about that. I'm not packing it in there. I just filled it. That's all. Okay. Now you will pack it though a little bit later, right? right? I will yeah. pack it a little bit, but I, I start by just filling the bowl. Okay. By the way, I don't know if you want this or not, but these Missouri Meerschaums come with a little filter. You can leave it in or take it out if you want. I'm going old school here. <laughs> so at this point in time. At this point in time, what you'll do is take your finger and just lightly tamp it down. Now, I'm not trying to compress this tobacco into, you know, tobacco pulp, but I'm pressing it down probably 25% of the bowl. It's not much, and is I'm not... Part of, it's a part of getting it to burn better, is that why? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so if it's too loose, it doesn't stay lit. Right. And if it's too tight, guess what? It doesn't, it doesn't stay, stay lit. lit. Exactly. So yeah. you just want to tamp it down, and, I, and again, about 25% of the bowl... So it's not a huge, you know, you're not tamping it down real hard or whatever. And then after that, you'll check the draw on it. Right. Now, this is actually pretty easy because if you're a former cigarette smoker or if you are a cigarette smoker, when you put it to your mouth and draw, it should draw basically about like a cigarette. Okay. If you're a cigar smoker and you don't have that cigarette reference, go ahead and try that. See if it draws about like a cigarette. There's just a little bit of resistance to it, and that's it? Yep. Right, okay, so that's... Yes. That's what you're looking for. Right, and if you're a cigar so smoker... Less, less resistance than a cigar, then. Right, if you're a cigar smoker, it should have a slightly less resistance or like kind of a, a, a kind of like an effortless cigar draw. Okay. So that's just something uh, uh, to kind of give you a, a cue on how tight to pack it. Now, I've accidentally packed mine too tight and gone through with my handy-dandy pipe tool here. This is just a little fold-out, what we call a check tool, because it's made in the Czech Republic. And it has a tamper, a poke, and a scoop on it. So this helps you clean and maintain your pipe. So my next process is I take, you can do a match, or I have a Zippo pipe later here. And you can probably see this. It has a hole uh, through the middle of it with the, uh, with the uh, wick coming out. And this allows you... When you light it, to lay it sideways and draw that flame straight down. So this is a, this pipe. is a lighter. We talked about this the last time, but this is a lighter specifically designed for lighting pipes. Right, and if you already have a Zippo, well, you can frankly just buy a pipe insert for it mm. and pop it right in. Question. Yes, sir. Zippos. The fumes off the Zippo does it not affect the tobacco. It does. That's actually a great question. So uh, I avoided using Zippos for a lot of years. Uh, the, the the advantage is it's a good sturdy uh, lighter. The disadvantage is um, the fluid smells like lighter fluid. Uh, however, quite a few years back, probably in the unlike neighborhood, a butane lighter, which doesn't give you that right, sense. which gives you no uh, no fluid smell. Um, but quite a few years ago, Zippo came out with their low odor fuel, which, like I mean, you get just the tiniest bit on the first puffs, but I found that it doesn't distract from the rest of it. Interesting. So uh, I actually enjoy having a Zippo, first off, because you can sit and do this with it, and it's a Zippo, you know. If only we could have discovered that <laughs> low-odor fuel for my brother when I was growing up. <laughs> right. And he wasn't even a pipe smoker. <laughs> I'm just talking, you know. <laughs> in general. In, in general. It would have been a good thing. So uh, so anyway, with, with the advent of low-odor fluid... Uh, I started using my Zippo all the time with this. Now, a lot of people like to be traditional and use a match, or you can use a standard Bic. As long as it's a soft flame, you don't want to use, if you're a cigar smoker, do not use your um, cigar lighter mm -hmm. because you will scorch the ever-living you-know-what out of the top of your pipe. Makes sense. So, uh, so at this point in time, all you do is put it to your nose. Not your nose, sorry, your mouth. <laughs> don't put it to your nose. 
It wasn't working for me, Ian. I don't know. Sorry, it's my nose warmer pipe. That's what I had. <laughs> and then, as I do this, would you hold that here for just a second? Thank you, Paul. So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to light my, light my Zippo, and I'm going to lay it across the top. Mm-hmm. So you're just right. inhaling, drawing the smoke down? And gently drawing the drawing smoke the fire in. down, yeah. All right. Now, I have another process that I do right after I light that, but I'm going to walk Paul through that as he lights his pipe. All right, so. Mm -hmm, lay it across the top. Draw just a little bit. And when you get it to where you feel like it's pretty lit, I want you to take your pipe tamper, and I want you to tamp the, uh, tamp the tobacco down just a touch more. This, this process can take a couple moments. I want to inhale this I no, don't it. inhale it. Yes, that would be a mistake. <laughs> so, and while you're drawing, tamp it down. Just lightly again. This, what this does is it allows you to light a little more even. Mm -hmm. And then relight one more time, and your pipe should stay lit. Now, Ian, uh, I lit mine uh, during the break. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've already, uh, uh, what seemed like, a really nice light, lots of smoke, but I, it did already go out on me, and I had to relight. Did I normal. maybe pack too loosely, no. or it's a normal thing? No, it's normal. We get to talking and things like that. If you're a pipe smoker, you're going to relight your pipe pretty often if you're talking. If you're standing there concentrating on it, it'll it'll um, it'll stay lit. But mm -hmm. most of the, most bowls of tobacco, you'll have to relight at least once, sometimes more often. I will point out that even without the longer stem that you showed us that you got on your windpipe, there is still great temptation to point with the pipe, well, as even, I, as even I with the shorter earlier, stem. And, and yes, this is something you need to try, well, Paul. I don't know what either one of you are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Yeah. <laughs> it does add a certain amount of gravitas to the situation, mm -hmm. and that's just a fun you word, You make a way. good point, sir. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's almost like you almost can't help it. You almost can't help it. So, all right. So, uh, Ian, tell me again about the tobacco you are smoking. In, oh, so in your I uh, so I went by. Uh, we have a shop here in town, and it's been there forever. It's a great shop. It's called the Briar Shop, uh, and we'll have to explore uh, going and having uh, cigars or pipes there at some point in time. As I was speaking with Bill over there, and he said, "Hey, man, you guys could be here anytime." Is that the place over in Rice Village? It is. It's over in Rice Village here awesome in Houston. Shop. Yeah, it's a great shop, and they have tons. Like if you're going, if you want to buy a pipe in Houston. Mm -hmm. They have the selection. They have the pipes there. They have a, a respectable cigar humidor. They have a, a, a great little shop there, and it's been there for a long, long time. It's a lot of fun to go in, but um, they have the pipes. And if you're in Queensbury, New York, check out Queensbury Cigar and Pipe, which is where mine came from. There you go. So uh, so I went by there earlier, and I just decided they have a whole bunch of jars. I should have taken a picture of it. I didn't think about it. They have a whole bunch of jars of pipe tobacco mm -hmm. set up out there. And then uh, I just... You know, it's set out so you can grab the jar, take the lid off, and smell the tobacco and see which ones you're going to like because that's pretty much, you know. That's just, how you shop for pipe tobacco. That's how you shop for pipe, or mm -hmm. pipe tobacco. Now, my favorite blend there is called Accountant. That's what Paul's smoking here. Um, and it's a very aromatic, very uh, very uh, vanilla and chocolatey kind of uh, smells come off of that. The room note's amazing. No mm -hmm. one's ever complained when I'm smoking that around them. Uh, I also picked up this matured Virginia. Now, Virginia tobacco is a little more cigarette-y, um, uh, like. It's not 
totally cigarette tobacco, but it's more cigarette-like tobacco. Right. And uh, and this has a little aromatic to it as well, so I figured I'd try that. That's what I'm smoking in my uh, nose warmer here. Now, aromatic, as it pertains to pipe tobacco, mm-hmm. means what? That it has more... Uh, yeah, it's is, a is it a more sweeter, of a fruity, sweeter flavor? Fruity uh, right. smells, sweeter smells. A lot of vanilla a lot of times. Cavendish tobacco is, is uh, matured and... Um, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, fermented, and you get a lot of those flavors. Now, there's different ways. Some people will put a topping on tobaccos. Mm-hmm. I usually go for more natural tobaccos. Um, so some of the extreme fruity tobaccos are over the top flavor. See, I ones. never was into the hookah thing because I don't I don't want grape tobacco. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like that doesn't appeal to me. Right. So Maybe the, does that appeal no, to you? No, no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I smoke. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, but there's different things. Like I, I, I saw the one you're having a sunset rum. I saw the well, name you, and immediately you brought this. You brought this to me, and it is it's wonderful. But it it appeals to my palate. Being more of a cigar guy, it's got a little more of that sort of feeling and flavor right. on on the tongue that I get when I smoke a cigar. Right. So and, that's why I'm enjoying. And rum that. is actually a pretty uh, a pretty standard flavor in uh, uh, cigar tobacco. You'll see rum cured or rum aged uh, tobaccos and things like that and you get kind of a rum smell with some of the spices that they use so uh there's there's a few uh few common things you'll get in tobacco some are some are a little more cigarette some are a little spicier like perique if you see tobacco that has perique and it's going to have a peppery kind of spice to it a lot of times um uh cavendish is is basically your sweeter smelling uh tobacco leaves right. that have been fermented a bit and aged um and then your Virginias are a little more like your standard. Like you can even look at the difference in this, and and see it looks a lot like uh, like roll your own tobacco, uh, cigarette tobacco almost. So Ian, are there are there varieties? You know, you and I just got just returned from Honduras where we were uh, out at the uh, JRE and Aladino Farms and cigar factory. Are there varieties of tobacco plants grown specifically for pipe tobacco, or is it more about how they're treated and cured? Once they're harvested, um, you know, I actually don't know the answer to that. Okay, I, I don't I'd have either. to research that. I don't we'll look know. It I, I haven't looked that far into. Or, or Brian will or Brian comment will, on the show yeah, notes momentarily. Yes. Brian will tell us uh, what's going on. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I have another question. What's got? So, as I said, I smoke cigarettes. Do they mess around with the tobacco like they do with cigarettes? You know, FSCs and all that. Uh, most of the time, no. No, it's just yeah. Now you can get tobaccos that have a top spray on them, but it's usually for flavor stuff. Right. So if you buy, generally speaking, if you buy pipe tobacco, you're not getting all those crazy things like they do with cigarette tobacco at all. And you can actually buy uh, more like if if uh, if you are more into the cigarette experience, you can buy more cigarette tobacco, more cigarette like tobacco. So that your cigarette. pipe gives you the same sort of experience from a yes. tobacco standpoint. That's yeah. a cigarette. Well, like a half and half. If you go into your uh, grocery store and buy half and half, that's half cigarette, half pipe tobacco. Mm. And so, and a lot of people do inhale that. Um, and there are some like when you when you you've seen these like at the drugstore and stuff back when drugstores used to carry cigars. There's some cigars made with pipe tobacco, and they're generally a sweeter sort of yes. a, uh, yes. a mix of uh, cigar, usually machine made. Yes. Yeah. And so. Uh, in my cigar, in my pipe smoking uh, journey, I started off, you know, and uh, I had this was one of my earlier pipes uh, that I tried a lot of tobaccos in, and I would go buy expensive 
out-of-the-way tobaccos, things that are hard to find. Some of them were amazing. And most of them were, oh, that's interesting. Frankly, you can walk into your grocery store and buy a big tub of Carter Hall, mm-hmm. and it's delicious. It's really? absolutely fantastic. You can buy Captain White, uh, Captain Black in the white package. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic tobacco. Really? There's a reason that's been selling for years and years and years. Well, it's it, great tobacco. When you think of cigars, though, you think of that totally not being the case. Mm-hmm. You really have to go to a tobacconist to get a fine cigar. So yeah. uh, it happened at one point in time when my brothers, both of my brothers were in town, and we all uh, smoked pipes. And uh, they had an event at the Briar Shop that we all showed up for, and it was a blending event. So they had some basic tobaccos. Now, you can smoke your basic tobaccos, but a lot of these are blends. Mm-hmm. So you take different tobaccos, right. and you mix to, them to until get you find, flavors, yeah, yeah. find a flavor you like. It's much like cooking. Um, and they had the basic tobaccos, and you could add you know, a, literal, a little or a lot of any of these different uh, commonly used blend, uh, tobacco, tobaccos for blending. Uh, and then they had a little contest at the end. So you blend your own tobacco, and then they had uh, everyone sit around and smoke everyone else's tobacco, a little pinch of it. Ah, nice. And, uh, that smoke and cook-off? Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. like that. It was, it was a lot of fun. And my tobacco blend came in second place, and then uh, a lady that was there got first place. Her tobacco was awesome. And uh, some people like, you know, it was interesting because some people like really strong or really peppery or real spicy mm-hmm. tobaccos. I like more aromatics when it comes to pipes uh uh, my brother i think likes more english blends and things like that and these are all just different flavor profiles so uh spicy uh blends are more um more eastern style i think right Uh, right. english blends usually have a lot more like leather and and uh things like that there's tons of uh like irish blends and scottish blends and all kinds of things like that are indicative of the flavors of the place i think uh and then, you know, I like aromatics. So so to shift gears just a little bit, we are uh, at the New Potato where we're uh, doing the show live today for show number 128 of Smoking and Toasting. Uh, and do want to mention we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork uh, in Fort Worth. But we're here today at the New Potato with Paul, who's the proprietor. And uh, we are, uh, you may notice my glass here is a Bell's uh, glass. Bell's, uh, yours is too, Ian. Uh, Bell's is one of those um, breweries that I'm going to say we've given an enthusiastic review, not just a good review, yeah. but an enthusiastic review to any of their beers we've ever tried yes. on the show. And uh, so we'll get in a few moments, we'll get to why uh, uh, why Bell's is going to be uh, appearing on the show twice today. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, but, Paul, first tell us about this particular beer that we're about to try well uh, i was approached uh, about two weeks ago by perry from bells sorry that's your beer this is mine. <laughs> um and he said i have this old um old red ale it's a what did i say it was? barley wine barley wine Mm-hmm. I, don't, I hate barley wines, but I love this. How do you hate barley? So, barley wines are so uh, delicious so this is so interesting because ian's such a huge fan of barley wines. yeah I have learned to like them since I've been hanging out with this guy, but initially, uh, I, I wasn't a big fan because it was just it was such a like heavy duty raisin it's, it's and heavy, date yes, sort yeah. of a sort of a flavor that it, it just took me a while to learn to appreciate them. Yeah. So you don't like barley wines, but you like this one. Yeah. Well, remember, I used to be a Heineken and Corona guy until uh, gotcha. I opened the bar mm-hmm. and then I got to taste all these <laughs> beers. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the truth. But um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm loving this. Well, well so this is this is an American style barley wine. Okay, though. you can tell by the hop profile on the back of right, it. and yeah. they usually have a little more carbonation. The American style ones, uh, the carbonation could be here or there on it. I, it okay. Maybe, um, but it's usually the hop profile that makes the big difference. Uh, the American barley wine has a lot more hops on the back, and generally speaking, pardon me, generally speaking, I don't like them. I've had a lot of American barley wines that I really don't like. This is outstanding. Well, I was going to say you've yeah. clearly begun your research. No, this is so, this is delicious. So well, tell me a lot what you're of them, here. and we've had we've had a few on the show that, um, as a matter of fact, I have to laugh. We did the uh, show at McCoy's, and I brought a barley wine that mm-hmm. was a special barley wine, and none of us liked that one. I remember that. None actually. of us liked that one at all, and that was a very Americanized barley wine. It was way too hoppy and way unbalanced. This right here, in true Bell's fashion, is incredibly balanced, and the hop profile is a nice light snap bitterness on the end, but it's not, it's not overwhelming and it's not cloying on the palate. It's well, almost almost two, it's almost two years old, also. Well, that might have something to do. Yeah. With it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, Bell's can uh, Bell's can really balance a beer because. The best example I'll give you is their IPA. To me, IPAs are, I mean, it's the one style everybody makes, but not everybody gets it right. Yeah. There is some real, uh, there's some real over um, overabundance of the piney hop flavor in so many IPAs because they're trying for bigness. And Bell's has always had the ability to balance that so carefully. And all, really, all of our favorite IPAs that we've had on the show really kind of share that characteristic, uh, their balance. So yeah. I figure if you can balance an IPA, m- maybe that helps you be well, able to balance a barley wine. So one of the things you mentioned, this is two years old already. Um, I actually lot- thought it was off when I bought it because it was the sediment was coming out from the bottom. Oh, really? <laughs> I had to call him up and I was like, hey, what's going on here? And uh, he was like, no, that's... Turns that's, out that's okay. So in that's a keg, just a breakdown, yeah. In a keg, when you uh, dispense from a keg, your beer is actually coming from the bottom of the keg. Mm-hmm. Um, that's there's a uh, basically a straw that goes down to the bottom, and the beer comes from the bottom. That's why uh, the sediment was prominent yeah. there. Whereas with the bottle, you're pouring and you're getting right. the top first. So yeah. with with some beer styles like IPAs and and uh, generally most lagers, you want to drink them fresh. Like mm-hmm. IPAs especially are uh, very high hop content beers. Yeah, are usually they're really only uh, good for a few months. Yeah, you know? so you really want to drink those pretty fresh. Um, but when you get to the heavier beers, more malty beers, uh, you can age them a lot. And age tends to mellow and blend the flavors almost like anything else. Picture it like this. Lasagna is good the day you make it. A lot of times it's better, you know, the day after. Well, you're right about it's that. it's all blended yes, together. Absolutely. You know? that and the, pizza. Yeah, right, the, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. The same thing actually goes for a number of different foods. Right. That, uh, that once they sort of blend together, those flavors blend. Think about a cigar that's been freshly rolled usually is not quite as complex and interesting as one where it sat for a little while and those tobaccos have had time to marry right, and, right. and, and uh, work together. So uh, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Well, this is really good. Now, is this something that is is commercially available? Obviously, you've got it on tap here while no. while the tap it's, while the keg lasts. Sorry, right? it's commercially available, but like to get your hands on it is a different kettle of fish. I see. Okay. So I uh, love Paul's bar for that, and every once in a while, when it gets a little too IPA in there, I start grumping at him. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yes, he does. Where's Where's the malt? Well, the next time that happens, Ian, what you need to do is just call me. Uh, and I'll come and try to balance things out for you by drinking some of those IPAs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you know, he always has yes. your favorite on tap. He always yeah. has the Lone, Lone Star. Pint Yellow Rose. Or the yeah. Lone Pine, yeah, sorry. One of, like, honestly, one of the best yeah. IPAs ever made. Although, I will admit, 
in the last six months to a year, we've tried some that will really rival it. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was uh, we were actually sitting right here, Ian, when we had the um, uh, the, the brewmaster from, from Lone, Pine, Lone yeah. Pint who came and brought beers and and didn't you know bring and didn't IPA. bring the yellow roast. I was like, it's the best IPA <laughs> I, in the actually world. Actually, did it here, right? Bring it. Yes, yeah, it was yeah, right. Yeah. It was right here. He did bring some other great beers, though. That was a that was a, a very very fun show. I, well, I think some breweries probably wanted to copy. That beer, you know what I mean? Because it's oh, such I think a you're right. Success. Yeah, and and it had such a uh, you talk about balance. It's just one of the best balanced yeah. IPAs I've ever had. It's just really, really terrific. But yeah, we've had a few. We've had a, a few others that were uh, good ones. This Odell Wolf Picker that we tried oh, that was good. a couple of weeks ago. Odell's a great Man, Yeah, that is brewery. just a fabulous, fabulous oh, IPA. That uh, the one I talked about earlier, that daytime, the one that you brought. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. daytime uh, from Lagunitas, daytime IPA mm-hmm. is ninety eight calories. And oh, fantastic. you were telling me about yeah, that. It's yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic flavor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I'll just mention uh, uh, because I was reminded when I saw a poster of theirs inside uh, inside the bar a few moments ago uh, that Eureka Heights makes the Mini Boss IPA, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Fantastic IPA. So I can talk IPAs all afternoon, but uh, to just come back to the barley wine, it really is delicious. And it's not, um, you know, some barley wines are, I'm going to use the word a little sticky. Yeah. Like they don't feel like there's something you could, uh, it feels like it'd take you about an hour to drink a pint. You know what I mean? And this is not quite as. Uh, <laughs> Challenge accepted, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is a little more easy drink. I'm almost done. Why for, a, for a barley one. So, uh, all right. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break and come back to the segment. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Bell's barley wine has no weed killer in it. But your Bud Light does, even though it's not on that ingredient label. That ingredient label that yep. has four ingredients, and one of them is not yeast. yeast. And one of them's not really? weed killer. For real. But it's there. And we'll be right back to tell you more about it. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back, my friends, to smoking and toasting. Ian is uh, has now transitioned from the world's smallest pipe to one of the world's longest uh, pipes, uh, or one of his longest pipes, at least, as he is uh, tamping down there and smoking. Ian, uh, question for you. How do I know when it's time to empty and reload? Uh, what's the what's the telltale sign that my tobacco's about done? When it gets bitter. Okay. So, depending on your tobacco. Now, if it's a more of a Virginia blend or whatever, you'll probably smoke it to the end. Okay. Uh, some of the more aromatic uh, tobaccos will get a little bitter. Right. Um, when they uh, when they start loading up, because there's a lot of moisture in the tobacco, and and so it gathers at the bottom of the bowl. And it'll get a little slurpy, and that's when you kind of have to stick a uh, pipe cleaner down there, or kind of clean it out, and yeah, kind of yeah. clean it out, right? It. So, but uh, but the aromatics will a lot of times get bitter and a little off tasting towards the end, and that's when you use this device. They sell these at your uh, tobacconist shops. This is called a. Uh, uh, it looks like a cork for a wine bottle. <laughs> right, right. This like, is yeah. a tamper for your, uh, not a tamper, but a. Uh, uh, I'm totally blanking on the name of this thing, but this is for your pipe. A stamper. You, you stick it in your ashtray, and then you can tamp your pipe against it to knock the dottle out of the bottom of your pipe. The, the dottle. dottle being the last little bit of your tobacco. Got it, got it. Pipe knocker is what it's called. I don't know why I couldn't bring mm-hmm, that up. Mm-hmm. But this actually has a sticky bottom. So sounds you pick, like an insult. Well, right, you pick your ashtray. Sounds tray. like a, a hell of a lot more to me. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like it should be in the sex shop. <laughs> 
So you take the sticky part off the bottom, you put it in the bottom of your ashtray, and then you can tamp your pipe against it. Uh, let me see. Let's put it up here. And so you can, can go like that. this. Okay. And it's a go. piece. Yeah. It's basically a piece of cork, so it won't damage your pipe. Right. Won't hurt anything. But you can knock the uh, you can knock all the dottle out of your nice, uh, nice. pipe. Well, a new report by the Public Interest Advocacy Group, USPIRG, reveals that tests of five wines and a number of beers, including organic ones, have found traces of the controversial weed killer glyphosate. Or glyphosate, I'm not pronouncing it. Glyphosate, thank you, to pronounce it correctly. In 19 out of the 20 that they found. These includes brands, these include brands like Coors Light, Miller Light, Corona, Heineken, Guinness, Stella Artois, and Budweiser. My friends, despite the fact that it's not on the ingredient label, your Bud Light contains glyphosate. So their ingredient A label is, is quite selective. It is. And that's from it the is. hops, is it? The harvest of the hops? Uh, yeah, they said, they said the levels they found are not necessarily Sorry. dangerous, uh, but they're still concerning given the uh, potential health risk. Well, you don't it's have to worry pesticide. about dandelions growing in your right, belly. Right. It's a pesticide and herbicide uh, best known as an ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup. It's a probable <laughs> human carcinogen, according to the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is a branch of the world health organization now in fairness noting the report's acknowledgement that the levels are well below the epa risk for beverages a spokesperson for the national trade association the beer institute responded by saying that our members work with the farmers who go to great lengths to raise their crops sustainably and safely the result of the most recent federal testing showed the farmers use of glyphosate falls well below federal limits. They go on to say that an adult would have to drink more than 140 glasses of wine. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> containing the highest you have to drink? glyphosate level measured just to reach the level that California's Office of Environmental Health uh, Hazard Assessment has identified as no significant risk level. I wonder if that has any effect on the flavor of it. If that's part of the, the flavor that uh, that is signature to that particular brand. But if you think about it, pesticide is about the last thing you're thinking of when you're raising a glass, right? Yep. Whether it's a glass of wine or a glass of beer or, in this case, a glass of Bud Light. So uh, what we yeah. need to do is make a commercial where we have a big wagon full of pesticide. Right. And, and then we drive show up around at the Bud to Light different headquarters <laughs> and go, hey, this got shipped to us by, by mistake. Speaking this of which, there's pesticide. a Bud Light brewery right. about mm -hmm. two miles that way. Yes, I believe there is. <laughs> From where we're standing. <laughs> so I wonder. Hmm. Interesting. That's the that's like the secret hobo mm. spices. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in fact, I don't think there's enough of it in there to hurt you. In fact, you'd probably die searching for flavor before you died uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of the uh, glyphosate. But, I, know, I never you know. said anything. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I, see, I, forget I don't sell been, it. So. Oh, oh, oh you okay. don't sell it, really? I don't sell that's it. That's Now, I know you've got obviously a great. Uh, a great menu of, of craft beer, uh, but do you sell any mainstream uh, beers here at the uh, um, at the New Potato? Mainstream, You're love this. Yeah, I serve Lone Star. That's one of my That's biggest selling beers, believe it or not. Yeah. And on bottle, but mainly my draft beers are all craft beers. Okay. Well, and by the way, Lone Star, 
rolling out a new 68-calorie beer. That's right. It's going to be called Lone Star 24-7. Yeah. Now, I have stood at this bar yeah. and watched people come in and ask for five different beers that are all macro brews. Yeah. And watched the bartender. Somebody, we, we've actually had Robert, uh, Roberto, yes. sorry, Roberto, on the show yeah. before, <laughs> who also works here. Um, and watched him explain to people, we have Lone Star. We don't have that. We have Lone Star. And we're back. All okay, right. so, so you were in the middle of telling a great story. Yeah, we, uh, first of all, apologies and thanks for staying with us. We did lose some audio, but we are back. Segment three of Smoking and Toasting. Paul was about to tell a story. He told the story of the woman who came in and uh, and uh, you substituted the uh, Lagunitas uh, for the Bud Light. Which yeah. Lagunitas was it? Uh, Aunt Sally. Aunt Sally. That's a great story. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And then... Um, and then you were also, I think you were about to tell another story, and I don't remember what Well, no, what, was, what right? I was going to say was, so every, since the, ever since then, any woman that comes in and says, have you got a Bud Light or a Dos Equis or something like that, I'm like, no, but I have this, try it. And maybe seven times out of ten, they'll hate it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And That's it's, great. And mainly women actually drink the sours. I just more, to, more than men. That's I funny. Just, I love sours, too. Yeah. I, I don't like them. <laughs> I just I just wanted to mention that Brian in the show notes just typed in, can't hear a thing. Your review is getting better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Always appreciate that. Uh, so before we uh, before we sample this Bell's, um, uh, which IPA is this again, this Bell's? This is the double IPA Hop Slam. Oh, Hop Slam. Okay. Yeah. So before we sample this, we've had two, we have two Bell's beers on the show today, and that's significant because of what's going on with my partner here, Ian, and with the new potato and bells. So who wants to explain that? I'll let you explain it. So, okay, so this it's started off, I'm, I'll let you tell part of the story, too. Yeah. This started off as I signed up for a bicycle ride that goes from Houston to Austin in two days. So you ride 100 miles the first day, and it's a neighborhood of 80 miles the second day. And this is the MS-150, right? It's called the MS-150, right. Uh, if you look up my name and you want to donate uh, to my ride, I have a, uh, I have a, um, uh, I'm trying to raise about five thousand dollars towards uh, the MS Foundation, uh, and that's the whole purpose of this ride is to right, raise sure. money and yeah. awareness for uh, uh, for MS. And I was talking to Paul about it. I said, "Well, I have this uh, charity ride that I'm doing," and he goes, "Well, I have an idea for you." One of the things he does here at his bar is every month he's putting on some sort of charity with some beer company. Last month, I believe it was Eureka Heights, yeah. which is poignant because I'm actually riding on the Eureka Heights team. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> now, a lot of, the, a lot of companies uh, like Schlumber, uh, Schlumberger, I guess you say, uh, Schlum Schlumberger, like, uh, a lot of the AT&T, all these guys I around I like calling them Schlumberger, Schlumberger, but it's Schlumberger. <laughs> Schlumberger. They, a lot of these companies around here have... Um, have teams that ride for this and then everyone raises money for the team and all that money goes to the ms foundation and it's a, it's a great thing they do it every year i have done this ride before but uh it has been about 10 years since i've done it maybe 12 um i don't remember exactly what year it was i think it was about 10 years ago or nine years ago but um uh so i'm out there getting in shape and everything i was talking to paul about it and he's putting on Every week he's putting, or every week, every month he's putting on some sort of charity event, and he gets a brewery um, uh, that he works with here. Uh, as he says, he has all the uh, all the great craft brew here. He gets a brewery on with it, and they usually put in like last month you had a uh, basket that had 
a bunch of stuff from Eureka Heights, yep. including uh, prize hamper from Eureka yeah, Heights. Yeah, yeah. Pri- yeah. So, and then every time someone bought a, a beer, um, that money, uh, a dollar of that, I believe, right? Is that correct? Went yeah, to the charity. new potato donates a dollar. And then the there beer. was a, a raffle ticket for the for the end prize. Well, he made this offer to me, and I'll let him go ahead and uh, explain. Um, so the last one with Eureka Heights, it was, it was very short notice, but we, it actually worked out. It was for the Alzheimer's Association, and um, it went off well. A dollar went from every drink. Actually, it was Buckle Bunny from Eureka Heights. Which is great cream ale. Which is, yeah, so which good, is awesome, yes. yeah. It sells great here. A uh, dollar from every beer went towards the Alzheimer's Association. And then, as you said, you came to me and told me you were doing the MS. I was like, all right, do you want a brewery? I spoke to Perry off Bells. Bells was on board. That's so great. They're donating certain things uh, for the for the prize, and the new potato is going to donate a dollar for every drink that every Bells drink that somebody buys towards. Right. So if you happen this by man's here, ass mm-hmm. we're just east of downtown on Clinton Drive. If you happen by here, buy a Bells beer. A dollar of every Bells beer that's uh, that's sold here goes towards my MS uh, donation. Uh, fundraiser and, and your name goes on a ticket into a bucket at the end when he comes back he's going to draw it out we'll put it on a video and nice we'll probably get bet perry or somebody from bells out and we'll do a whole show and well that's got, pretty amazing you've yeah. got at least a couple of bells brews on tap here one is this uh while it lasts the barley wine yeah. uh that we tasted in the last segment and now is some absolute double IPA I goodness. See you're doing some research oh, on your Oh, my friend. <laughs> yes, I'm already. The telltale beer mustache is uh, right. giving me away. But, uh, no, this is quite delicious. First of all, you can totally tell it's a double, but it doesn't have that, all right, I'm going to take my hops and bash you about the face with right. it sort of vibe yep. that some double IPAs do have. I'm Most a bit of, of a Bell's fanboy. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, that their IPAs, which I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs, I'm just a little sick of them. To be frank with you, but their IPAs are always so well balanced. And Ian, this you is just no gotta, you exception. Just gotta drink the right IPAs. Is all I'm trying to say to you. And uh, you could start right here because this is just damn delicious. You know, I'm yeah. a little surprised by the way. All the beers we talk about, you're like, I don't like that one. I don't like this one. You always point me to good beers when we're here. Well, <laughs> when you, you actually, when you walk in, you don't even ask me for a beer and I just pour a beer. A lot of times, it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, see, that, that's but what, as long as it's, it's not like, an IPA. Hey, it's sort of like, hey Norm, you know, it's the same <laughs> It's the same sort of a vibe, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. about four or five customers I have here that I do that. But honestly, with the other bells, I did that with a couple of other customers and they were like, nah, I don't like it. Like, you know, yeah. you're crazy. The barley wine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Barley wines. Not to go backwards, by the way, but you mentioned uh, that you guys sell a lot of the Eureka Heights cream ale, the Buckle Bunny. Yeah. Another great one to recommend to people who are trying to try a craft beer and then maybe they're normally a, uh, you know, a good, a normal uh, customer of the macro brews. Yeah. yeah, because it's so accessible, so delicious, but it doesn't like, ju- it doesn't bash anybody over the head with, you know, too much craft beer strangeness for their first uh, trip down craft brew lane yeah. You know? oh, yeah 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 but uh but well this is this is really delicious now i don't know um i'm assuming i i don't know if i've seen this in the stores or not uh i, I don't i've never even heard of this until he had it but so. it is uh it is really really delicious so i haven't seen um, it in the store either it's it's one of those ipas that you, you know you're gonna have the first one and you're gonna go well that is so easy to drink uh, but what's the ABV on this? I think that's 
What was it? Ten percent? Is it ten percent? I had a piece of paper there. See, he knows. He knows me. Yeah. Ten point five or ten point two, something like that. You know, I had to be careful because uh, uh, last year he had uh, one twenty minute on tap. The mm-hmm. dogfish had one twenty mm-hmm. minute, yeah. which was that particular one was topping at like eighteen percent. Oh my god, yes. Oh, so good, so uh, delicious. So good, yes. So but, delicious, but well, only one, please. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, need, you need there more. Are, <laughs> there are some of those that you really use, and you know, this is one of the things that you know we talk about this a lot. That you know, craft beer may have more calories and higher ABV. Uh, than uh, a lot of the mainstream uh, macro brews, but you're also not taking a uh, you know this barley wine or uh, something like the 120 minute IPA and throwing it back and then throwing another one back. And yeah, no it's one not takes, designed to no drink that No one takes way. a buried hatchet, right? Exactly. Uh, buried hatchet stout slams the can and then smashes the can against their forehead. Like that's just not a well, thing. Well, maybe <laughs> your friend Mark would do that. Mark might do that. <laughs> he actually. might do that. You know but, Mark. I'm trying to think of a couple of people. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Scotty Hamilton's burger? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was thinking, Sorry. actually, I don't know if you, maybe you don't know Mark. Mark, uh. Mark is, uh, he was repping for a while for uh, New Republic, and then before that he was with uh, Goliad. And now he has uh, his own independent, he cleans taps uh, and lines and things like that. We had, right. we had Mark on the show in the studio one day, and uh, Mark I, Nichols. I, I think Ian and I got, uh, got to talking about some kind of cigar legislation or something. And Mark became bored for a moment, so he reached into the cooler. He's sitting in between us yeah. like this, right? He reaches into the cooler, sh- shotguns a beer, and smashes it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. On the show, it was a, the classic smoking and toasting moment. Yes, it was. It was awesome. a wonderful. It was a wonderful thing. See, so that, you're not ignoring that's, me. That's when right? you know you're getting you. We're getting, we're getting a little too thick there. Ian. I'll, I'll entertain myself. Yeah, that's right. All right, uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We have. Another beer to try. And then we're also going to... Tell me about this Mexican gin Ooh. that you want us to try. That was, that was a major surprise for me. Uh, one of my... Uh, Patrick from um, Favorite Brands came along. He says they're trying to push more liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, they do great beers as well. Um, but he brought in this gin, and it's from Mexico. And I was like, gin I, from I, Mexico? Get the hell out I, of here. I don't think I've ever heard of oh, gin right, from right. Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's badass. All right, so we'll try that uh, coming up in our next segment. Uh, you are checking out Smoking and Toasting, and still to come, by the way, the best cheap whiskeys, both from the critics and from the public. We'll get to that coming up next. Awesome. Segment four. Welcome back, my friends. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting. This is our 128th show. Uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. 128 shows. That means there's 127 of them you can find and listen to and one lost episode, which our former producer refused to post. And we uh, don't even have a copy of it. We call that the bitter episode. That was, it was I, I, <laughs> Honestly, I think we should go back and unearth it and repost it. I don't, I don't think Paul knows the story. Well, here's what happened. Our show had a different name when we first began. And then we got an ugly letter. Actually, we got a really crappy letter from some company out in California that had something close to the same name and a website that didn't they were really like explain a delivery company or something. That didn't explain. They were like, "We do cigars and chocolate or something." Like they were very unclear and even their website, you, like you could leave the, you could explore their whole website and have no idea what they were doing. But uh, and we ended up having to change our name for the better, I think, actually. Because well, smoking like, and toasting is perfect. Yeah, it's a great name. Well, it I is. Think and so. Ian came up with the name, and it is much better 
than our first name, which was, can we say it or do we get sued if we even say it? <laughs> we can say it. We can say our first name, that which shall not be uttered, uh, is was Sip, Smoke, and Savor. Which was a nice which name. Which was a nice name. But Smoking and Toasting, I think, Ten is a way better. better name. Yeah, way better it name. Rolls. I so it rolls. It rolls. It worked out good. But the show where we had to change our name, let's just say I was a little bitter. Yeah. there's. So you couldn't show the whole show. The, well, the, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. The producer the that producer we had, we at, the had time, at the time was like, oh. Adam, Adam's predecessor. Well, he no, he didn't tell us this. He just never posted the show. Yeah. This is before we did the show on Facebook Live. Right. right. So, so when I came in and said, hey... Uh, um, uh, Adam's predecessor. <laughs> Has he got a copyright as well? No. <laughs> but I don't want to put his name out there. I said, hey, man, uh, you know, my brother downloads the show every week, and he says, hey, man, I haven't seen the show. He's like, yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, 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 I won't was, say his name either, but his initials were Bobby Duncan. And uh, the... Uh, <laughs> You're not talking about Bobby Duncan of Too Tall Media, right? No, no, not, not Bobby that Duncan. Guy. Not, not that Bobby guy. Duncan? Yeah, not okay. that guy. Different, different Bobby Duncan. Didn't it's, it's a common name. Uh, no, but but that was it. so. That's the lost episode. And honestly, Ian, I really would like to go back and find it and just post it as the lost episode. I mean, we, we don't have video, but we could post the audio. Oh, of it, it would have been hilarious. Okay. It you probably were, is funny because I was. I you was were probably, better. I was, I was better, but I was place. still trying to do a little damage control. No, so you, that's, that's because you're a nicer person than I am. I think everyone who do you everyone know who watches the show knows that. I don't yeah. know if, am I that much nicer or no. less willing to get sued? I do, I'm not Paul. Sure you just don't know me. So right. The, right, there you go. So, no, but that's, uh, that's it. 128 episodes of the show. And quite frankly, it's been... Uh, uh, it's been an awesome ride. I would say no one has stepped in to stop us yet, but that would be repetitive. We don't want to. We don't want to go down. That, Wait till they uh, start using your name. Yeah, we don't want to go down that uh, down that. So path. we have we have Mexican gin. Yes. Uh, so I was reading this bottle after you like put it in my hand a moment ago, Paul, and this is made with a hundred percent agave. Yep. So isn't doesn't that mean that it is actually a mezcal? I mean, it's not made in Jalisco, so it's not so uh, it can, yeah, it a, tequila. a tequila. I get that, but... You're asking the wrong man. The only thing I know about it, and you'll see in a minute, once you open that bottle and pour a little sniff and take a little whiff... Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to so post surprised. the question out to Wiki Brian right now. What makes a gin a gin versus the... Uh, I'm going to say the botanicals, but, that's what I, but I may not be right about that. You know, uh, Because it does say on the bottle, and this is gracias a Dios... 100% agave spirit, handmade gin, and then it goes on to say, infused with 32 botanicals and spices from the 32 states of the Mexican Republic. And that's what it says on the bottle. And I'll just show the bottle. to the. Where did you come across this, Paul? Patrick from Favorite Brands. Wow. Yeah, he wow. came in with it, and I was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Mexican gin, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking. Like, I know we, I have two two of my cocktails off the menu. We were hanging out. Me and my gin. wife come up here once in a while. We were hanging out the other night, and I think you and her were talking about this gin. That's uh, that uh, just the other night. So, what an interesting and bizarre thing. Yeah, because I think she looks. She likes the actual the Monkey Forty Seven, doesn't she? Yeah. So we yeah, talked about the Monkey Forty Seven because if you watch our intro on the show, you'll see there's a uh, there's a guy that pulls a. Uh, pulls a glass bell off of a drink and it's all yes. smoking and yes, everything yes, yes. and that is actually a drink that he made with that monkey 47 yeah. gin um and when i was in ybor city 
And that was such an interesting drink that I had to come in and be like, okay, you got to do this on camera so I can have that on the ship. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Not, buddy, not only is the drink badass, the, the bottle is badass. It's yeah, like, oh, it's yeah, like absolutely. jumping back 100 years to medicine. And so this is incredibly great. interesting because this smells like tequila. It smells our like mezcal. Uh, just right? so you know, our buddy Brian says gin is battery acid made from juniper, right? <laughs> kind of you batteries. never know what you're going to get with that you guy. Don't know, and I, that's why I appreciate his comments so much. So, okay, so uh, Adam, I've got one of these for you as well. If you want to come try this, so I'm really curious about this because I'm a huge fan of tequila. Right. I have been developing an appreciation for mezcal. Ian bought me for Christmas this year. Bought me a great bottle of mezcal. Yeah. Um, so I'm developing that sort of appreciation. But this seems like maybe a third evolution in the agave uh, in the agave trail. It's not a mezcal; it's a gin. It well, okay. <laughs> it so smells like mezcal. <laughs> like this but gin, you know what? It, it smells like mezcal and gin maybe mixed together. Uh, because I'm getting yeah, it smells. It smells a little I'm left of center for a mezcal or for a, uh, for a tequila kind of ish thing. So the flavor is so interesting because it's so botanical. It's like, but on, but on the tongue, in the center of the tongue, it's a mezcal. Yeah, it's agave. You can you can, you can feel taste that agave it right away. Yeah. So Paul, you can smell it from you, the get go. You said you made. Uh, you guys have made cocktails with this. What kind of cocktails would you make with this? Um, the first cocktail I tried making with it was actually just like a um, what was it? The uh, uh, whiskey whiskey sour, except for I did it with a mezcal and I did it with agave instead of simple syrup. But same ingredients: egg whites, uh, lemon juice. Agave, and this. Wow. You guys uh, yeah. do a great thing. When you have interesting spirits, you guys sit down and create you make a drink. cocktails from them. Yeah. We mess around. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when you come in here, there's signature cocktails, uh, and, and they change from time to time, depending on what you have yeah. or what you think is fun. Yeah. But it's interesting because you always are creating something new. You're not just doing the standards. You're trying different things with whatever you have going on. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I mean, honestly, I've been, I've been blessed with like some really great bartenders that are willing to like jump out of the norm and i mean last the last time you guys were here matt was working matt rickard man nobody makes an old-fashioned like that guy that's his old-fashioned here yeah you know nobody makes an old-fashioned like that guy wow well i will tell you i am a fan of the agave as sammy hagar once so famously said i love agave spirits to me this may be my favorite gin i've ever had because as much as I like, you know, the Hendrix and, and those kind of, of gins, yeah. this just, I don't know, it's somehow closer to home for me because of the, uh, because of the agave. Yeah. I think it's terrific. It's, it's crazy. I it's incredibly it's interesting yeah. because, uh, because it literally splits the difference between mezcal and... It's like, it's, it's like if, if a bottle of tequila and a bottle of gin had a little baby. Yes. And and I, I said earlier it was like they were mixed, but it 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 wouldn't be that good if you mixed them. Like no, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't gel. But the same this way. this rolls off the tongue in such a strange way, right? You know, so it's got a buttery, uh, a buttery kind of uh, 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 tequila ish or mezcal ish kind of flavor going on, and then when it finishes, it finishes with that botanical kind of snap. Yep. And a little smokiness. Yep. Yeah. Like oh, that smokiness yeah. is like all around my... Like, yeah. Like, the smokiness is like the mezcal, mm-hmm. but the botanical is like a really wonderful 
interesting gin. Yeah. It's not overly junipery, although you certainly can can pull the juniper uh, the juniper out of there. But man, uh, to me, it's like it's like you took a a gin and made it even more awesome. It's got like, a woody it kind like. of flavor to it as yes. well. A very yeah. And it's not an oaky kind of flavor, but it's a very woody kind of flavor. I don't know if it's like a mesquite or if it's like a some kind of hardwood kind of uh, like no, astringency right. to a, it. That's no, you're right. There's a there's a wood in there that almost makes you think of it. it it's it doesn't have a, a a smoky. It's not a smoky flavor like like as as much as mezcal might have, but it. It has enough of that. It makes you think of a barbecue. I want to uh, use this. Grill yeah, I want to use this in a, in a marinade. I bet oh that's, my god! I, I bet, bet that'd be delicious. amazing. Like with some yeah. shrimp or something. Like I bet that'd be no. just ridiculous. Paul, yeah. you have turned us on to something really <laughs> terrific here. They, they also I, I do make mezcals, by the way. Uh, I'm not, I, and I'm not surprised. I mean, like this. What's, better than what's a the company again? Uh, it gracias is adios. Gracias, gracias adios. I said gracias adios. The label is fantastic as well. Yeah, it really is. It's got that old. And I may like this better than mezcal because the the um, botanicals of the gin kind of offset that sort of like. As a really true tequila fan, I still enjoy tequila more than I enjoy mezcal Mm -hmm. because there's some of that smokiness kind of has me going. Uh, but the botanicals of the gin offset that a little bit. Yeah. So for my particular palate, yeah. this is like in the sweet. It part. almost it almost makes it more interesting, yet cleans up the tail end of a mezcal kind of thing. It's yeah. it's, it's it's this is interesting. I couldn't right. agree more. I and would I would never be sitting here sipping on this, ever. Like if that was a mezcal. Generally never. speaking, right. like a, a regular gin, unless it's something like I've had aged gins that I really like to just sit and sip on. Uh, I like a gin martini, but that's mm-hmm. extremely cold mm-hmm. and extremely dirty. Right. Um, but generally speaking, or a slow I wouldn't, gin fizz. I really enjoy. Right, right. Yeah. But generally speaking, I wouldn't take a gin like this and just sip it. Right. right. This is something completely different. Even a gin and yeah. tonic is really good because of the balance and the, right. way the flavors come out. And the bubbles. But yes, but yes, you're right. To take it straight <laughs> up like this, that's that's a thing. Yeah. All right. This this is kind of a, a revelation. So I'm like uh, I'm a little like I'm a little like blown away here. Uh, so am I. I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, yeah, boy. yeah. we are. Uh, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to do. Uh, you had a stout, right? The expedition stout. Right. I will point out that it's pouring rain in front of it us and behind us today. Absolutely pouring. I don't know if you so, can see it through yeah. there. Rain doesn't always come through on yeah. camera, but uh, it is. It is pouring rain both in front of us and behind us. You may be able to hear the rain. I don't know, and you may be able to hear the uh, the big trucks rolling by. But we are having an amazing time, not the least of which is because of this uh, this pretty amazing uh, gin mezcal thing that we're having here. <laughs> gin scow, gin scow, or mez gin? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, but no, no. This is this. I'll be adding some of this to my bar very soon. Yeah, I can sure. tell you that. So. Great. It's All right. great in a cocktail. It's smoking and toasting. We will come back and tell you uh, about the best cheap whiskey. Uh, that's going to be in our next segment. Ooh, I want to know and, about that. Yep. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and we'll be uh, trying out some stout, and uh, I'll be relighting my pipe. I, I may try some of your other tobacco over there, Ian. Just mm-hmm. to, uh, find me something you think I'll like, and let's do it. Uh, you're listening to your Sm- nose will tell and Toastin'. Uh, welcome back. It's Smokin' and Toastin' here for our final segment. For a moment or two, it was raining like to beat the band during our uh, during our last uh, little break there. 
Uh, it has slowed down a little bit, so I'm it's hoping also dropped about me to ten get degrees. <laughs> <laughs> it has also dropped about ten degrees. Uh, we turned up the heater, but uh, none of that is helping. Adam, we, my producer, we did, is on the other side of the room. So we, we did send uh, we did send Paul to get the drinks. However, he knows where they all are. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't I, know how to use a the heater. I they turned wanna, it down. I just want to point out that uh, during the break, Ian had asked Paul if you'd make him a martini with that. Uh, Mexican gin, and I asked that for it. Just had. slightly dirty. It, it, you gave me a taste of it, Ian. It's fantastic. Like, not to giggle on like schoolgirls, as we've been accused of in the uh, running comments. This is amazing. It's really. Did you amazing. try this? No. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really, really. Yes, good. please, please. This, do. Are you a martini fan? That is a fantastic martini. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm buying some of this spirit as soon as I can find it. You're not a fan of that. I drink one. <laughs> yeah, that is an amazing martini. It's funny. I hate making coffee, but I make a great cup of coffee. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's all my wife says. Anyway, well, that's that's a skill. It's a good uh, it's a good skill to have. So uh, Forbes magazine uh, went out on a limb and named America's oh. best value yeah. whiskey, and it's only twenty three dollars. Fifteen years Sorry, ago. What was it called? It's America's best value whiskey. It's only $23. They say that 15 years ago, a whiskey lover could walk into a store and find a plethora of very good to great American whiskey for uh, less than $25. But these days, with price hikes, yeah, bottles that were once $28 are now $40. Former $45 bottles are starting to hover around 100 because supply and demand. And so value whiskey has become, you know, 40 bucks for the most part. However... Yeah. They were very excited to name Old Forester's New Rye Whiskey, which has just been released, and has a retail price of $23 a bottle Now as I bought, their best uh, value whiskey. I brought that bottled and bond just a couple weeks ago from mm-hmm. Old Forester. Old Forester, yes. yes. This is a $23 bottle of Old Forester's Straight Kentucky Rye Whiskey. Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. They say, think vanilla. It enters the nose and tickles the olfactory with caramel coming in behind, a burst of rye muffin baking in the oven, and lastly, hints of herb are on the nose. That's a, that's a pretty strong review for a $23 whiskey. That's nice. Yeah, it really is. Now, uh, fortunately, you know, I mean, and I don't know whether I would say that I trust Forbes or not, because I can look back at some of their cigar reviews and tell you, although I'm sure this old Forester is good, but I can look back at some of their cigar reviews and say, eh, I think they might be a little suspect. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Well, also, Forbes will, will review cigars like the uh, Cohiba Spectre. Right. You know, right. which is 100 bucks for right. it's like, a I'm not, cigar. I'm sorry. Unless One cigar. Unless I hit the lottery, I'm not smoking a $100 cigar. Yeah. I'm I, sorry. I can burn $100 okay. in many better ways than right. buying... One cigar. I can I can right. buy, I can buy five amazing twenty dollars cigars and be much happier. I was eyeballing than, the Padrones earlier yeah, today. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so Uproxx, which is a uh, website, Uproxx.com, uh, did an article recently about the best cheap whiskey according to the masses. So this is something a little more up my alley. This is this is where the public is on this type of thing. Again. Not sure I trust. Uh, not sure I trust Forbes, but here's a top ten for you from Uproxx. Number ten is 
Four Roses. Yeah, I'm agree. so I'm so in with that. I'm behind that. Yeah, so in with that. Uh, and and they show interestingly in the article. I mean, you carry Four Roses here, right? Yeah. They show Small a bottle batch. of Four Roses and the uh, Four Roses book, which is awesome, by the way, to peruse while you're sipping a Four Roses. Uh, at number nine, they say Jim Beam. They say you can't go wrong with a bottle of Jim Beam. Uh, a balance of alcohol heat with hints of vanilla oakness, oakiness, and sweet. Uh, I, I have to tell you, Jim Beam. It's thirteen ninety nine. I have to price. tell you. So I, I cannot okay. drink Jim Beam just by itself. I yeah. don't like it. I don't like the flavor profile. I don't think it's delicious. Great as a mixer. Like, so here's one of the weirdest ones: ginger ale and Jim Beam. Is good. Is absolutely delicious. Interesting. It's a great drink. I, I can't drink Jim Beam on its own. I just yeah. don't like it. I, I just don't have enough experience with Jim Beam to be able to tell you yeah. one way, uh, one way. You or didn't another. go to college. Oh, yeah, honestly, don't uh, sell that much. Oh, I, oh, I did, but I wasn't drinking Jim Beam in college. <laughs> I, I was drinking Jose Cuervo. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you uh, did go to college. Okay. Yes, I did go to college. Uh, Jack Daniels is their number eight. Uh, they show a picture in the article of Keith Richards. So that legitimizes it about as much. Jack as Daniels could. to me is another one of those. I, as a mixer, fine, but by itself, mm. Mm, not for me. They say here it's a classic whiskey, whether you like it or not. The Banana Forward Tennessee whiskey is enthralled generations of whiskey drinkers, and will continue to do so. And it's an easy whiskey to drink. Somebody likes it; they make more money than I do. Yeah, well, uh, that that uh, that could be true. Uh, at number seven, Crown Royal. Now, I'm not a fan here. I'll tell you, I've had Crown Royal, although I love their advertising. I love that billboard where it says, not actual size, too bad. I love that. So I think Crown Royal, I can drink a Crown Royal on the rocks. I think it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Also, great go-to for mixers, uh, things like that. If you're going to do a Crown and Coke, I think it's a a fine drink. Um, I don't think Crown Royal is uh, complex. Yeah. I think it's it's a very straightforward whiskey, but see, I'm with you. I, I I'm not a fan. At number six, though, I'll check in, Jameson. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jameson, I can drink straight. When you I say check in, what do you mean? Meaning, meaning, I haven't necessarily agreed with their last several uh, things on the list, mm-hmm. but but I'm with them on Jameson. I like as, Jameson. as middle of the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's as good as, you know, some of the other things that are from. Smaller batches. And, well, these and are all inexpensive. Right, this is like this is on the cheap. Inexpensive, right? Yeah. So you're can talking I, about? Can I have that uh, tobacco that? Uh, you certainly may. Uh, uh, the one over are there, you the rum for, one. Uh, oh, the it. rum. I don't think Jameson. You is must cheap. try this. This is wonderful tobacco, my friend. It's still under thirty bucks a bottle. Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety-nine is what they're saying for Jameson for the regular bottle. <laughs> Where? <laughs> <laughs> the bottle wants to know. This is their. You know, this is their. The article. Uh, is somewhere, the somewhere where TABC doesn't get their hands right? on it. Exactly. And, that, and that's the thing. Depending on what state you live in, this can vary by yes. 10 to $15 exactly. a bottle. Uh, Brian uh, says Jack or Jim ahead of Crown. I don't, I, see, I'm the other way around. I don't, yeah. I don't, see, I, I, would, I would have a tendency to agree with like him. Like to drink on its own? Yeah, I would have a tendency to agree I would say agree. Crown ahead of Jack or Jim. At number five, Evan Williams. Evan Williams, uh, I, I can go with that. They say here Evan Williams stands above a lot of cheaper bourbons by the simple virtue of not having any burn. They say it's such a smooth drink that it hits the nail on the head of what bourbon is. Smooth wow. with the corn-fueled sweetness next to nice notes of oaky vanilla. This uh, this uh, and, sunset rum I got you is very, very moist. I love it. I think it's delicious. It smells great. Yeah, it really is. By the way, uh, the cost they show for uh, Evan Williams, eleven ninety nine. 
That's, that's, that's really not cheap. bad. At number four, now you're talking my language here, baby. Knob Creek. That's a great bourbon. Knob Creek. So I walked into a, a liquor store in Florida one time, mm-hmm. and they had one of these uh, the big displays that holds the uh, the the handle size bottle of that. Right, right. And you stick your bottle in there, and then you just tilt it. You know, I I, I bought that from them for like five bucks. The guy was like, "Oh, you want it? Five bucks?" I was like, "Okay." I actually keep a handle-sized bottle of Nom Creek oh, in the Nom house <laughs> in that dispenser because all you have to do is pop the top and tilt it into your glass, and it's a beautiful thing. Right? Well, Nom Creek... That's what I was drinking last night while I cleaned all my pipes, by the with way. With Evan Williams at 12 bucks. They're beautiful. Nob Creek comes in at 33 Yeah. So it is, and they even admitted in the article, kind of pushing the upper limits of what they would call value Yeah, but whiskey. it's 50 bucks for the industrial-sized bottle. The one with the handle. Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually have a handle. It's the same bottle, but giant. <laughs> Is it 1.75? Liter? No, it's the big one. It's even bigger than that? Isn't that the... Oh, is the 1.75 big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. 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 handle is 1.75. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's the one I'm talking about. At number three, Wild Turkey. A blend of variously aged whiskeys. Becomes a smooth sipper with a mellow bite. Coming in at 20 bucks. Ian, your thoughts on that being number three on the list? Wild Turkey... Has been a staple in my family <laughs> every Christmas. So, for many years, like the only time that like I've got a large family, I've got two brothers and I've got four sisters. Okay, so getting everybody in one spot at one time is difficult. Not an but any time right. the the guys in the family were together, Christmas Eve we would end up in Manland, which is the garage. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> And we would drink wild turkey. So me and my dad and my brothers would drink ourselves senseless on this. Um, one year, uh, I ended up getting a, a new set of router bits for Christmas. That's how geeky my family can be. And I was very happy about that, right? So be- Which is how geeky you can be. Right. Yes. So because I had these old router bits, we decided to set up some planks of wood. And while we were drinking wild turkey... We were going to see who could freehand our name best in this plank of wood with a router. <laughs> not recommended. Don't try this at yeah, home. Do not try this at home. No. <laughs> anyway. Got some new fingers with a, the new router bits. So, so wild turkey has been one of those that's been in my family for years. I love it. And at the same time, it makes Christmas morning hurt. <laughs> now, on the funny side, my other funny wild turkey story is... Um, on my birthday, you came out to my birthday. We decided to have my birthday on the deck at um, at uh, Cecil's Lounge this yes, year. Yes, a lot of fun. And uh, and so we had steaks uh, on steak night. And yes, we with did. Brian from Mo- yes, Meat. with Brian yeah. from Meat, Meat Mojo. Mojo. Buy awesome. Meat Mojo uh, rub. That stuff is amazing on I everything. I have it at home. Yeah, so do I. It's so good. Anyway, so uh, my brother thought it would be funny because he was in town. He thought it would be funny to just start buying me wild turkey shots. Mm-hmm. So I walked in and I spoke to the bartender. Because that's said, a family thing. Yes, it was a family thing, but one-on-one wild turkey shots are a little much. So um, <laughs> so I walked in when my brother wasn't looking. And I spoke to the bartender. I said, listen, every time my brother orders a wild turkey, give me coke. just replace it with Templeton rye. Good move. <laughs> is Templeton Roy on the list? <laughs> which is delicious. And so one of the funniest things about that is when we were leaving, my brother, we were getting in the Uber, my, brother, my brother's looking at his receipt, and he's going, man, they're kind of pricey on their wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're like, <Suck> yeah. <laughs> and I like wild turkey, but Templeton Rye. Uh, at number two, <laughs> Maker's Mark. Coming in I do. That's bucks. something I do. Maker's Mark, Maker's I love Mark. it. It's it's great. Great. Uh, they call it a good go-to bottle for co- cocktails and the occasional whiskey on the rocks. Kind of has that warm spiciness, little botanical vibe to it. I will say that actually one of my go-tos in my home bar is the Maker's 46. Yes. I really like mm-hmm. that. Now, obviously, that's a step up from the regular Maker's, but yeah. I, I really enjoy it. It's got it's got a really lovely sort of caramel vibe to it, mm-hmm. uh, which totally works for me. I, I had a it. bottle of it at my last Christmas party, and it lasted maybe about two minutes. <laughs> Did you say two or ten? Two. A two. Okay. Yeah. Everybody was That makes it. sense. It was like, suck on what the At number one <laughs> on the list, coming in at 30 bucks. Buffalo Trace. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And honestly, can you think hey, hey. of a better At 30 inexpensive? bucks, yeah. that's the 1.75, isn't it? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's the combat bottle at $30. The combat bottle, yeah. Well, right, because you can get it for less than that here, can't you? Yeah, it's like $23 or $24 for mm-hmm. the... Uh, I, I, I'd have to Am I totally list. off? I, I think it's a little bit more than that. Oh, there uh, But it, it's definitely not more than 30 I can but tell you But the combat bottle, the 1.75, is not that expensive either. No, no it really is. It's a fantastic bourbon. Mm, absolutely fantastic. Drink it straight. Drink it on the rocks. Mix it. It's great for Drink all it those. naked. Drink it naked. Whoa. Wait, wait. Let our audience visualize that. Yeah. <laughs> this has there something to do with I you dancing on the table with your shirt off later on the... Uh, on the program, I'm no. Uh, actually, Adam bought me uh, a bottle of it for my birthday, some... and uh, it's just—it's wonderful, just all by itself. You know what's wrong with Buffalo Trace? What? Not a damn thing. <laughs> it's great. Well, so yeah. my brother, uh, again, my older brother was in town, and uh, and he likes whiskey. He doesn't uh, go out and explore whiskey quite as much as I do, but uh, we ended up at Reserve One Hundred and One, which has a great selection of whiskeys. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we're standing out on the patio, and uh, he tried a couple, you know, higher-end whiskeys that you don't get to try because you either have to buy a bottle or you go to a bar like that. And he lives in the middle of – he lives in uh, International Falls, so he, like, there's not a lot of bars like that in International Falls. Actually, there's no bars like that in (laughs) International Falls. But um, what was funny is at the end of the evening, he finished his whiskey, and uh, I still had a little cigar to smoke. So I went in and ordered a uh, Buffalo Trace double with a couple rocks. And I came outside, and he's like, oh, what are you drinking? Uh, I said, Buffalo Trace, and I let him try it, and he was blown away. He loved it. Loved it better than everything else he tried. Yeah. He was like, what is that? I said, oh, this is going to boggle your mind. I said, that's $25 a bottle. And he was like, what? So he what, what, what did he usually drink? What's that? What was he usually drinking? Well, so he uh, he likes the Glenmorangie La Santa. All right. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, no, nothing wrong with that. He likes, uh, whiskey-wise, he tends to like very complex, full-flavored whiskeys. Right. And that right there hits the spot because it is more complex. That's more, I would would argue the Buffalo Trace is more complex than almost everything on that list. Excluding maybe Wild Turkey, but I don't know about the complexity on Wild Turkey because... To me, um, wild turkey just means I'm going to have a headache in the morning. <laughs> well, it's a family thing. You're, it's a family you're thing. And I'm okay. Me. I'll drink it. But <laughs> All right. Uh, we want to get to our final beer here, and this is something that uh, that Paul has poured for us from the taps here at the New Potato. Paul, what is this beer? So this is the Bells again. It's the Bells Expedition Stout. This looks like a, a, 
a piece of chocolate cake. Looks like, what yeah, it looks like. like chocolate ice cream. Yeah, chocolate ice cream and cake in a in a, in a glass. The you Bell's stand on chocolate it. stout. Have you had this, Ian? The expedition stout. Yes. Yes. I'm okay. pretty sure I've had it here before as yeah. well, haven't I? Yes. But I've had yeah. this like uh, so when uh, uh, before Bell's was distributed here. Anytime I traveled north to see family, I would come back with Bell's, and this is one that I would always bring back. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, always bring back. They so, have a they have a couple stouts. They have a Kalamazoo stout. Yep. Which is not necessarily my favorite because it has a very anise flavor, very mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, black licorice kind of flavor to yes. it. Yes, and I'm which not I a think big is a guy. big component of that. And it's a well crafted beer, but not my favorite. But the Kalamazoo stout is an outstanding stout. Well, this is yep. very chocolate coffee, uh, more what you think of as a traditional, uh, or more what I think of at least as a traditional sort of stout flavor that that sort of coffee or espresso with. Uh, Sort of the bitter dark chocolate. I'm 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 loving it. It's uh, it's, it's really really delicious. Yeah. Uh, I know you're checking out the comments, Ian. Seeing I am. So Steve Ray, Stevie Ray says, fun fact: Wild Turkey is family owned, and Matthew McConaughey is the only person outside of the family to make whiskey for the brand. Well, I know that I, I saw him on one of the talk shows talking about his blend, and apparently, unlike some of the celebrity endorsement things. He was actually really involved in the process, the actual not necessarily as a brewmaster, right. but certainly as a taster and and you know somebody that said no no not yet no no not yet and then and then said okay that's it when he felt like they so got Delmar and Brian right are going back and forth on the thing here they uh, they expected to see Forty Creek on the list. Interesting. Forty Creek yeah. Forty Creek is respectable. That's a good whiskey, um, and I would put it. In the neighborhood of the of the somewhere between the wild turkey and the uh, buffalo traces, as far as flavors go, um, and yeah, I could I could say honorable mention definitely. Ian, let me ask you this: We're talking about whiskey. I was young; I needed the money. <laughs> oh, sorry, different question. Bellows. Yes, I think that may have to do with the pipe knocker that we were uh, mentioning. The pipe knocker uh, that we were mentioning earlier. We're, we're going to have an entire segment on the pipe knocker coming at some up point next week. Right. Pipe knocker one hundred and one here on the show. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I wanted to ask you um, because you're so much more experienced with pipes than I am. Um, obviously, I have learned to really enjoy and appreciate the pairing of a really great whiskey with a cigar. Is is the pairing of a pipe with a cigar? Does it carry the same pleasures as uh, as the? Uh, I'm sorry, not a pipe with a cigar, a pipe with a whiskey. Does it carry absolutely. the same the same pleasures as the uh, whiskey? One hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, so, talk to me about that a little. What are you looking for when you're looking to match up? Could you match up? Uh, does a pipe match up more with something like okay? The stout are, are you or? smoking the? Um, I'm smoking the uh, accountant. accountant. Okay, yes. so accountant goes with stout really well because there's so much of that vanilla and. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that that Cavendish sweetness to it, the stout blends with it so well. I'm smoking your rum, uh, your Sunset Rum right now also goes well with the stout, but probably not quite as well with the stout. But the bottom line is this: back to uh, the whiskey sniff. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. You get the flavor of the tobacco you're going to have in your palate, and then go smell your whiskey or smell your beer. It's, it's going to match, or it's not. You know. So, for instance. Out of the three tobaccos we have here, we have right. two heavy Cavendish. That's your rum mm-hmm. one, which has the rum influence. Which I really like. My accountant, which is very like big vanilla, big. Right. Uh, I'm loving big the sweetness. vanilla. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then we have the Virginia, 
which is uh, a little more mild uh, in the in the uh, sweetness. It's a little less sweet, a little more leathery, a little more um, of the traditional tobacco flavors. So, if I was going to direct you, like out of these three tobaccos, mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're having a stout, I would immediately say accountant. Okay. If I was going to say, okay, we're going to have uh, some kind of uh, uh, tequila or mm-hmm. rum. Then your sunset rum goes well with it. Okay. I mean, it's pretty easy. It's almost in the And title. what about a whiskey? It's telling you almost. With whiskey, it's a little... It depends on the whiskey, because some whiskeys, like, if you have a very high mineral content whiskey, uh, something along the lines of, uh, like, the old Forester, right. or something like that that has a really mineral aftertaste, that that matured Virginia mm-hmm. is going to be great with that. But if you have something a little sweeter, like the Buffalo Trace, then I'm going to say accountant. But if you have something with a lot more spice in it, then I would say the sunset rum because those are those are flavors that are going to complement each other. So at the end of the day, let your nose tell you. Yeah, smoking a cigar, smoking a pipe. Do you have a favorite between the two, or is it just about different things for different times? It's a mood thing. Yeah. If I, you know, both of them are time consuming, and I love that about them because if you're going to sit down and smoke a cigar. You are stuck smoking that cigar for the duration of the cigar. And I what mean, a wonderful stuck that frankly, is. Frankly, yeah. And that's the, beautiful, that's the beautiful thing about it is you say, hey, I'm dedicating this much time, which means there's a lot of stuff you can't do while you're smoking a cigar. You can sit down and enjoy your cigar. You can go do a bunch of other stuff. Not mm-hmm. necessarily at the same time. And that's a beautiful thing that makes you slow down from everyday pace. Well, yes. the pipe does that a little bit too. But the pipe has the one added value of you're going to relight your pipe, you know? Right. You're right. going to relight you know your pipe. You know that's going to happen. It's going to happen. Exactly. And there's no penalty until you get to the very bottom of your pipe bowl. There's no penalty for relighting your pipe. So right. the nice thing about smoking a pipe is if you're outside, like if I'm outside uh, washing my bike, you know, and regreasing the drive, drive train or doing like knickknacky stuff, you know, a pipe is great because I can set it down, it goes out, I relight it, I'm smoking a pipe. Whereas with a cigar, there may be a relight penalty. A cigar, a lot out. of times, yeah. has a relight penalty. You get right. stale smoke and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. there's, you know, it's like that. And then the other thing is, just for whatever reason in my mind, when it's cold outside, I guess probably because the pipe is warm, you know, on my hand. And it things does like that. seem like a wintry it's thing. It's more of a it? wintry, you know. It's more of a, it's more of a fall, winter, Which early is we spring be, yeah. thing for me. Summer, I'm way more cigars. Uh, colder months, uh, I split it about fifty-fifty with pipes. Which is why we wanted to do the cigar, uh, the uh, the pipe show, now before it started warming up here in Houston, which won't be long, by the way. Yeah. Plus, the other thing is too, if you start doing this with a cigar, it gets weird. <laughs> no, it does get weird. You absolutely right. If I'm doing this with a pipe, it doesn't get weird. It yeah. actually looks like the word for today is gravitas. Gravitas, I like it. Yeah. And you carry it off better than most, I will say. Thank you. And Paul, who very rarely smokes a pipe, looks great with the pipe. It looks very he comfortable does. in his well, hand. It matches the beard. It okay, works. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting for that, okay. <laughs> okay, so I can't think of a better way to close out the show. Uh, the Bells has been wonderful. Uh, support Ian by coming to the uh, new potato and uh, uh, drinking the Bells. And uh, a buck gets uh, donated on behalf of the new potato. Uh, to Ian's MS-150 Also, if you, if you don't uh, live close to the new potato, uh, you can just look my name up, Ian Barry. That's Barry with an A. B-A-R-R-Y. Uh, on the MS-150, BP MS-150 uh, website, 
and you can donate direct if you want. Absolutely. Uh, so coming up on next week's show, uh, I just got a hold of one of the brand new Avos that I'll be uh, smoking and reviewing. Have not smoked it yet, but I'm looking forward Jealous. to smoking it and reviewing it. Yes, on next week's show, it's a brand new blend from Avo that. Has, has just come out. You know, it's so, awesome because i got a crown heads that I've never seen oh, before. Oh, see, so I think we know what we'll be talking about, about next right? week. Plus, Jared Hempstead from Balcones Whiskey will be joining us on next week's show. So we're looking forward That's uh, good to because that. I am out of Balcones. Are you? House. Okay, yes. well, there you go. <laughs> we can, we can <laughs> only cross it. our fingers and hope. Uh, Paul, such a pleasure to Absolutely. be Thank here you at the much. New Potato. Thank you for, uh, for hosting us and for the, the beers and the... Uh, the uh, revelation of a new spirit. Hey, yeah, uh, do we have a second right before we go? How did you arrive at the name The New Potato? Uh, honestly, actually, I'm not going to say this online. It seems like it. when he <laughs> says this, he should be pointing the pipe. You know, okay, so. Anybody that knows me, including yourselves, you know I'm Irish. I'm from Ireland. I'm you from Dublin. No, I'm not going to. I wasn't going to curse. But uh, The New Potato is basically me, Irish dude, potatoes, Ireland, famine. Well, I'm the new potato. I'm the new. I'm the new Irish dude on the block. The new Irish bar. Even though there's a shit ton of them over here. Okay, so wait a second. You're Irish. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Get lost. Shut up, man. And <laughs> uh, hey, hey, the hey. thing is, like, so many people have told me I don't, I, I don't hear your accent anymore. You know, I haven't been home in four years, and it's killing me. Yeah. No. I'll be well, like the Pope getting off the airplane, kissing okay. the runway when I do go. Okay. Well. <laughs> so I will say. I totally understand and, and hope that you are able to get home soon. But the people who say they can't hear your accent, yeah, they're full of shit. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, your accent's still there. Yeah. So, uh, so thank you again for hosting us it's here. This has been wonderful. Pleasure. The beers and the spirits have been wonderful. Hope you enjoyed the pipe. I did. And uh, it was great. thanks to uh, Aaron for producing in the middle of a, uh, a monsoon there for a little while. Uh, we did have a little bit of audio problem, but thanks to you guys for sticking with us. And, uh, wow, this has been a fun show. It's always fun at the New Potato. Uh, I will uh, see all of you next week, of course, as we do Balcones Whiskey and talk uh, Avo and Crowned Heads. And uh, until then, cheers. 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 <laughs>